Hello and welcome to the Usual Spectators Podcast Soccer Edition. I'm Amir Atwal, joined by... Jandrup. Alright, so finally all the leagues have started. Got action around La Liga, Premiership, uh, even German Soccer League started, but... Um, most of the actions come from the Premiership, and uh, we had some big matches over the weekend. Yeah, we did, and I think nothing was bigger than the Tottenham and Chelsea uh, first match of the year, or their the first meeting of the year, in what was uh, probably the best game of the, the early Premier League season so far. Yeah, the top two finishes from both teams last year, and um, Tottenham moving to Wembley for this year for... Uh, their home games is pretty interesting back and forth. Uh, Chelsea starting with uh, a formation we haven't seen so far, uh, playing the three-five-one-one. Yeah, they were playing. Uh, yeah, they were playing David Luiz in midfield, of the debuting Bakayoko, and for the most part, they were defending almost from the get-go, and uh, they did stay fundamentally sound and they, they stayed within their structure for the most of the part, except for that one mistake where they. Where Mishi accidentally ends up heading uh, an own goal, but Marcos Alonso is the eventual hero in the very close to stoppage time, and they actually somehow managed to get three points when they were probably outplayed for most of the game. Yeah, in typical Chelsea fashion, um, came out in a defensive formation. It was weird seeing uh, David Luiz playing in the central midfield, and then. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's just defending from the start, and then Tottenham seemed unlucky a little bit, but uh, even their strategy was kind of put the ball ahead to Harry Kane and uh, kind of let him do the work and try to get a goal that way. Yeah, I mean, Dele Ali looked uh, fantastic. Uh, he had a few moments where um, you could tell what kind of special talent he really was. Uh, but other than, uh, than Harry Kane and Dele Ali. Uh, most of the other Tottenham's other uh, midfield role. I mean, Christian Eriksen had a few nice crosses, but uh, they were lacking that quality that you would expect. I mean, last year there were, for for most of the year, they were amongst the hardest teams to stop. And uh, it's relatively early, but they really haven't made any made many buys to so, uh, to supplement their attack. So uh, I think that regression that most of us were expecting might actually be in actuality, uh, considering uh, this was probably one of the weaker Chelsea teams you'll see. Uh, considering uh, Rudiger's, well, this is his second uh, ever Premier League game, and he was playing uh, in the defensive back three along with uh, Christensen, who is um, uh, young and talented, but he had some moments where he uh, obviously could have been better. And of course, playing David Luiz in in, in, in midfield, that's, that's probably not his uh, his best role, and they still couldn't uh, expose that uh, that defensive uh, structure. Yeah, like. Last week they got the red cards with Gary Cahill and Fabregas, and I guess they wanted to just solidify the defense. It was weird seeing Conte and Bakayoko next to each other, kind of similar players, but um, not known for their attacking talents. And William dropping right behind uh, Murata in his first start for Chelsea. I, I think you could see that it's been in kind of an adjustment period just because when you lose a talent like Hazard, it just yeah. changes everything. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely. I think Hazard should be. Uh, there's they have their uh, their their world their world their world club break coming up soon, so they just need to survive until then. I expect uh, expect Hazard to be back in the not too distant future. Uh, in which case, this Chelsea team, if they can stay afloat and not drop another game here, uh, 
once everyone's at full strength, I think they're going to be they're going to be up and going. And you got to remember, it was Bakayoko's first game, and he hasn't even really been training because he's just recovering from a, from an injury himself. So he wasn't really fit to play, but he ended up playing ninety minutes anyways. Yeah, he had like four days of training before he gets all on the field for ninety minutes. Um, but the way I see it is Chelsea's going to be fine. There's a big overreaction to Week One when they lost to Burnley, and I think that was just a series of events where you can't plan two red cards and then putting the pressure on after. But once Morata settles in, I think uh, should be good to go. Yep, no, I agree. Tottenham, on the other hand, um, just loading up on cash, but haven't really spent it and just completed the signing of Devinson Sanchez. But this is only having their back three, uh, just attacking wise, the fullbacks. So they've, uh, Danny Rose has had um, some contract disputes, and of course, they sold Kyle Walker and replaced him with Kieran Trippier, but not the same level of player. Yeah, no, definitely true. I mean, Davidson Sanchez was a nice pickup from the Ajax, uh, but he's uh, relatively young as well, and uh, that's not really a, an area of weakness, I would say. I mean, Eric Tierra has been fine, and there's Elvion Vertengen. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a, it seems like a luxury buy at this point, and I think they're still interested in Ross Barkley, which has been one of the um, potential moves that, that has been linked to Tottenham. There's only a few more days until that, uh, that transfer window closes, so I think Ross Barkley would be a nice addition for them. To, to supplement their uh, attacking options they already have. Yeah, with both these teams, especially with the Champions League draw today, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of plan out the rosters, to uh, how much focus they pay to uh, Champions League and how much focus they pay to the league because both of them have been put in tough draws and we'll see uh, how they try to manage their rosters. Yeah, definitely. But let's go to the biggest story in the Premier League right now, the return of Wayne Rooney. Yeah, scores again in his second consecutive game against uh, Manchester City this time. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Maybe some PEDs in the system or something, but Rooney looks like he's going to play a couple of matches. Last year it seemed like he couldn't even get through full 90 minutes, and now he's playing like three times a week. And looks he re-energized. And, uh, yeah, like he's finishing goals where it's like it's 10 years ago, Rooney. Yeah, Rooney's been impressive so far uh, in his two games with uh, back in the Everton jerseys. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, if, if he was going to be playing like this, I don't know if Manchester United would have sold him, but considering they got Lukaku and he's looked just as fantastic as well. Um, yeah, Rooney's been, been been pretty good in that. against City in that game. I think City was a little bit unfortunate to get to pick up that red card, uh, but they still ended up uh, still ended up tying and tying the game eventually. Yeah, getting point on the road against City, a team who's been unbeaten in there. Um, I forget how many home openers it's been, but it's a big point for them. And uh, Sigurdsson's been signed, and um, Schneiderlin looked okay too before he got the red card. Mm -hmm. No, definitely, but I think they're preparing to... That Sigurdsson was more more or less to prepare for the eventual, I think, the Ross Barkley uh, exit, which seems uh, pretty much... uh, I don't want to say a done deal, but it looks like it's going to happen. Uh, but that that Everton team, they do have some young players that are up and coming. So, I mean, I don't, I didn't expect them to be challenging for a top five spot. I still don't, but Rooney definitely has uh, been uh, playing at a level you wouldn't expect in his first two games. I thought he seemed like he was more closer to being done than not last year. Yeah, we'll have to see how long the gas tank lasts. But bigger story here is City. Uh... 
Pep's still going with a 3-5-2, something he's never played before, and uh, he's trying to make it work. I don't know, well, maybe he's trying to help out Aguero because he likes to have two strikers up top usually when Aguero's playing, but it doesn't seem like it's as uh, attacking as his 4-3-3 that he used to play at Barca and uh, Bayern. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, the first game of the season, uh, Miss City looked uh, a lot better. Uh, and, and even in this game, they kept possession for the most part, and they peppered a lot of shots on net, but there wasn't too much quality. And I mean, Everton did, uh, did play fundamentally sound for the most part. Um, I, with City, I, I just don't know. I mean, they have, on paper, this is probably the most talented team in the Premier League, or probably the deepest team in the Premier League by far. But they just haven't, into the first two games, it just isn't that fluidity you'd expect from what they do have. I mean, Jesus and Aguero, they didn't really, are they going to be able to uh, to work together as those two striking options up front? Uh, certainly so far, there's some questions if that's actually going to work, right? So, Yeah, so far, it seems like they're completely lost. Jesus hasn't looked as good as he looked when he first came up last year. And Aguero kind of looks lost. And those rumors are circulating that... Uh, Aguero could be on the way out, and Alexis Sanchez could be on the way in. Uh, Kyle Walker's been good, but Kyle Walker plays well in a back four as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Pep's insistence on playing uh, Danilo, who couldn't even get time at Real Madrid, is kind of uh, puzzling. But uh, And then they also have uh, Fernandinho in the middle of the field, who uh, seems like not even needed in a defensive no. formation. So. With all that attacking talent, especially sitting on the bench as well, like they started uh, Leroy Sanya as a left wing back, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean Raheem Sterling was their was their sweetheart um, signing a few years ago, and he, he was he did score yesterday, and or he did score on uh, Monday, but he was off the bench. And I mean Bernardo Silva didn't even play him; he was off the bench as well. I mean they have so much talent. I think I think with this team, it's going to take them a little bit of time to to gel and find that starting eleven, which is that they're ultimately going to roll with. And the good thing is uh, they're still not. I mean, they dropped two points, but then they haven't lost a game yet. So they're still picking up points. And I think their schedule so far, I mean, they have another easy match coming up this week. What should be an easy easy match? But then I think they're facing Liverpool uh, the game after. So they got to really, you know, pick this up quick. Yeah, it's, it's about finding a system and rolling with it. It's uh, still early in the season. Obviously, you can't lose the league this early. But mm-hmm. um, it's good to figure things out. And if Pep does go to the 4-3-3 and has to drop Aguero, I think more than enough talent on the bench to cover for that. It just depends on, you know, getting the players in a system they're comfortable with. Because even right now, like Kevin De Bruyne, probably the best player on the team. It just seems kind of uh, he's had to take a backseat just to compliment everyone else. No, good, good point. Let's go to two teams who are up and down roller coaster, but... Uh, Let's get started with Liverpool, who uh, actually qualified for the Champions League. Yeah, they did qualify, and uh, so far this year, they've, they've they haven't looked too bad. Yeah, the, the attacking talent, like some of these goals against Hoffenheim, you thought those were Barcelona, but uh, in the Premier League, their first week they get a tie with Watford three three, mm-hmm. and then uh, get that goal late against Crystal Palace to salvage a win. Um, the attacking talent looks like on par with any other team in the Premier League. The defense, though, on the other hand, is a whole different story. Yeah, I mean, and this is a team that's been linked with Virgil van Dijk for probably about six months now. And uh, 
I don't know if that transfer is going to happen, but it would be nice for Liverpool if it did, because like you said, that attacking talent with a with Amani or Firmino, and if Coutinho ever ends up playing for this team, I mean that attacking talent is unreal. But when your player, your their back four is very weak. I mean, they're a lot of unproven young players. Um, might be might be best to supplement that with some uh, experience, and Virgil Van Dijk would be a nice buy. But so far, I mean, Liverpool's uh, traditionally they they always end up managing to to draw points early on, and at least they're not outright losing these games. And that win against Crystal Palace, um, it was a win, but again, it was it probably was should have been a lot easier than it was for them. Yeah, there's just a huge Coutinho cloud. Like, there's rumors Coutinho wants out. Coutinho hands in his transfer request, but. Liverpool keep denying. It's like, what? At what point do you let Coutinho go? It's 150 million dollars, or like they got to make up their mind, like end all bids, because the reports keep coming out that Liverpool say no to Barcelona, but another accept further bids. They just have to come out and say he's going or he's staying. Yeah, I mean, and for that sum that they're willing to offer me, Coutinho is a very good player. Um, but is he a world-class player worth $150 million? Probably not, but when you have a transfer like the Neymar transfer, it's going to it's gonna bump up some of the value of these players, um, whether it's fair or whether it's not fair. Uh, it's, I'd have a hard time not accepting this sort of bid for Coutinho, considering this team does have attacking talent. They do need to supplement some uh, pieces on the back line, and I mean, you could easily spend that money on a Virgil van Dijk and a few other pieces that will help you, help you contend. Yeah, $150 million, you can... <laughs> by quite a few defenders, even some defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. The thing with Jurgen Klopp is, though, he wants it his way, and um, whatever he puts his mind to, right, he's going to keep it that way. And oh, definitely, it doesn't matter if the board is telling him one thing or if he just set in his way. We saw that at Borussia Dortmund until he was finally let go. So, mm-hmm. seems like he wants Coutinho in the squad, but uh, Coutinho has these random injuries or back injury, and I think he's. They said he was sick last game, so he couldn't play that one. But uh, transfer window's ending soon, so hopefully we get a resolution on that. Yeah, one way or the other we'll know, right? Yeah. And then we have another team who's an up-and-down roller coaster in Arsenal. Yeah, and dropping points already. Yeah. They say, uh, they always ask if you could do it in a cold night in Stoke, and uh, Arsenal couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is another team kind of like Liverpool with the Coutinho soccer. I mean, what's going on with Alexis Sanchez here? And, I mean, not only Alexis Sanchez, but a few other guys. I mean, Ozil looks like he's disgruntled there as well. And even a guy like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, even though he's been playing, uh, his contract's coming up soon, or will be up at the end of the year. And he might be on his way out as well. So this is a team that kind of seems to be in turmoil. I mean, yeah, that Lacazette signing was supposed to be uh, a big signing, but so far... Uh, seems like the play- pieces around him aren't, play- aren't playing the bigger stars that they did have. Yeah, this is another team. I don't know what's got into the Premier League, but everybody seems to be trying to copy Conte's 3-5-2. Yeah, this is a team that's playing players all out of position. We got Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's playing wing back now. We yeah. have Bellerin playing on the wrong side. Uh, Monreal's become a center back here. It's just like wingers just... I think he's just out of ideas now. He's just trying yeah, I mean, anything. Playing Aaron Ramsey in that deeper lying role, um, he's not suited for that. I, that I mean, that's just not that's just not there. I mean, Arsenal has to make that mistake of not having a a deeper lying uh, central defensive midfielder or a box box midfielder probably for about the last maybe ten years. Instead, it seems like uh, Wenger just uh, buys that attacking midfielder with flair and. Uh, 
hasn't worked for him the last little bit, and it probably won't work for him this year either, considering uh, there might be some guys on the way out here. Uh, if, if Alexis Sanchez and uh, Oxley Chamberlain leave, this 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 club's going to be really uh, decimated with the with their with their squad depth. Yeah, this is the only big club who was sitting at home today watching the Champions League draw and wasn't a part of it. And this is a team that can't be afforded to losing world-class players. And the most frustrating thing of all is Mesut Ozil. Like, we know this guy has the talent to be one of the yeah. best in the world. It's just like, he just doesn't try, it seems like. Yeah, he's a very lethargic player, and that's been a reputation that he's had since his days with uh, Real Madrid, where when Ozil wants to play, Ozil can be one of the best, or he's a world-class talent. But when Ozil wants to play, it doesn't come around very often. And I don't know if you can rely on a player like that. I think that's why one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why um, Real was willing to sell him when they did sell him. Yeah, and his contract's coming up soon too. That'll be another blow to Arsenal because anytime you lose a player on like free transfer. Yeah, and you're not making anything back. It's gonna be hurt, and it doesn't help when Steven Gerrard's calling you out every after every match. Not at all. Not at all. And then finally, looks like the champions of this year, after two games, world beaters, Manchester United, just cleaning the clock with uh, Swansea and West Ham. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, that, I guess Mourinho's second year in, uh, in Manchester United after he spends another. 200 plus million it seems like it's actually working for i mean those additions of lukaku and matic just look like uh they're gonna work and the defender they bought uh bailey i think he's been pretty good through two years two games as well so uh everything seems to be going manchester united's way so far yeah this is like this team looks like it has everything figured out already um playing matic next to pogba seems to unlocked pogba's game and then playing uh, the three attacking uh, wingers and then playing um, Lukaku above them. They've just been insanely efficient scoring. And then the depth as well, like top to bottom, these guys look like uh, they can't Yeah, they, they, I mean, having Rashford and having a guy like Martial off the, coming off the bench, and I think Andre Herrera has been coming off of the bench as well. Uh, yeah, this team, but they have... I think my concern with them still is going to be their ability to defend ultimately. They do have some good pieces, but I'd like to see them do it um, over a longer haul against some of the more tougher opponents. But Matic through two games has looked like the Matic from uh, his first year in Chelsea where he was uh, a world beater in in the central defensive role. Uh, If he can play like this, uh, and again, like you said, if it allows Pogba to take more of an attacking role, and be free to kind of roam the pitch more. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be a very tough out for any team, uh, regardless of uh, uh, whether it's Champions League or whether it's even the Premier League. Yeah, paying that large transfer fee for Matic definitely seems worth it, especially when you get him off of a rival. That's the one thing I never understand with the big clubs when they're willing to sell to a rival team. It's like if they know something or are they making a big mistake here? But. Matic didn't look this good at Chelsea last season, and now he looks like he's controlling everything, and that lets Pogba roam around the field, and we know Pogba insanely talented. He can play any role that um, they kind of put him in, but uh, that $89 million bid last year, everybody was freaking out, like, this is way too much, now looks kind of like a bargain. Well, it looks like a reasonable uh, sum, considering what some of these guys are going to be going for. That uh, Neymar transfer really kill. I think really did open up Pandora's box here in terms of our, in terms of the transfer fees we're going to see going out for players that are just out of the world. Um, 
And in through two two games here, Pogba looks like he's worth every single dollar of that eighty nine million. Yeah, and uh, we got news today that uh, they re-signed Ibrahimovic, which uh, fans will love. But uh, at this kind of point, I don't think he's going to be starting over Lukaku. Oh, no, I think he'll be a nice addition to have off of the bench. And I'm curious to see how Ibra reacts to that because with Ibra, it's always about Ibra. So I don't know if he's going to actually take too well to being that uh, that guy off the bench. I think ultimately... He came back because it was his best place from to be coming off of that knee injury. I think he'll he'll be gone before uh, or before next season, probably to the MLS or something, where he can be a starter again. Yeah, but it's a good depth to have, though. I mean, it's a low for for United. It's a low risk movement. What's going to happen? What's the worst that can happen, right? Yeah, it seems like they have backups almost at every spot. Like you said, Herrera coming off the bench, which uh, um, they weren't willing to let him go to Barcelona this summer, so. Uh, when they have qualities like quality of players like that off the bench, um, like you said, the only the bad thing is the back line is kind of shaky. Yeah, because uh, when you're playing daily blend and left back and Valencia yeah. right back, you, you you're susceptible to yeah. counterattacks. And even I mean Phil Jones, I mean how how often is he out of position? Seems like that's a, it was a regular occurrence in the past, but. Uh, yeah, maybe Marino's finally figured it out, but it's 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 early. But th- these two games, I think United United fans have a lot to be uh, hopeful for. Yeah, second year Mourinho, it's a title or bust, right? It's always with uh, Mourinho, and then uh, kind of wears out his welcome, and he goes somewhere else. Uh, definitely, and I mean, I think we'll move on to what we have this week. There's some good, uh, two good matchups that should be pretty good. I mean, we have. Arsenal versus Liverpool. We have two of the flop. I mean, Arsenal looks like they're floundering, and Liverpool has some uh, concerns as well. And then we have Chelsea versus Everton, which should be another good uh, game. Both of them on Sunday this week. Yeah, these are the type of games that back and forth. You can't really predict on who's going to win. Like especially with Arsenal and Liverpool, a lot of attacking talent on the field, not so much defensive talent on the field. So yeah. <laughs> it'll be a high-scoring game like that uh, opener we had with Arsenal and Leicester. Yeah, and and, and that Chelsea-Everton game should be a, a good one as well, considering uh, but Chelsea's looked better in their last game, and Everton so far hasn't looked too bad either for a team that many expected to take a pretty big step back, considering some of the losses they had over the last uh, summer. Yeah, and I think this is the last game before uh, transfer season closes, so... Uh, kind of like a last look at your team and hopefully make a last-minute buy that kind of supports squad depth. No, definitely. That's what it's going to be. Speaking of transfers, Barcelona having a hard time acquiring players. I think teams know that they have a lot of money to spend. Price tags have been raised, but um, this team looks like it's having a lot of trouble signing anybody. Yeah, it looks like Barca's had a pretty rough go of things over the last uh, three, four weeks where the first they lost Neymar and then Coutinho saga has gone on. And uh, with Usman Dumbele, it looks like uh, there could be some good news uh, coming as early as tomorrow uh, as it looks like maybe they finally have reached a deal to which uh, Borussia Dortmund is going to be willing to sell their young French uh, potential star here. Uh, but again, I think Barca has been linked to uh, uh, Angel de Maria, and that looks like that that might not work either. There's just uh, a lot going on with Barca, and uh, they were able to win their uh, their opening game with relative ease. And Messi looked uh, as good as he's ever looked. Uh, I think he hit maybe something like four or five posts in that first game. 
but they do definitely need to make an ad here uh, to, to you know to really compete with a team like Real Madrid and compete with some of the bigger clubs in the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. Because not only did they lose Neymar, they lost Suarez for a month. So basically, yeah. they're saying, "All right, Messi, put us on your back and uh, get us those first couple of league." wins and uh hopefully we'll try to support you but that's not gonna work against madrid uh, as we saw in the spanish super cup they're just completely ran over uh, uh it's been a long time since i've seen madrid actually dominate position against barca but that's what happened and it comes down to the midfielders like barca has 11 midfielders on the roster but uh don't have midfielders of the quality that they used to in the past like um obviously chavi was a world-class player and hard to replace but the attempts they've made like Paulinho for 40 million what's going on yeah I mean Paulinho I think Tottenham was happy to get rid of him and him getting 40 million I mean that's to me it seemed like a ludicrous buy and uh, it's just right it's borderline reckless I don't know what Barca's board and what what Valverde are thinking here but uh, if it works I guess it works but uh, but yeah I mean it's it's just what Barca's done over the last four or five years they haven't really been able to supplement what they had. They didn't have. They haven't found a replacement for Iniesta, a replacement for Xavi. Busquets can't be playing in every single game. It just can't be. And I mean, Rakitic was good his first year, but uh, I mean, he's he's been he's he's kind of regressed as well. And a guy like Andre Gomes, who was supposed to be a um, one of their starlets, I mean, he really hasn't done anything in his first year, and he might be on his way out here already. Yeah, like. These signings, they come in and they flop immediately. And a year later, Barca's looking at selling them for almost half the price of what they bought them at. And we have Gomes and uh, Arda Turan, both $35 million purchases. And I don't know if anybody's willing to pay $15 million for them. And it's hard to get rid of these guys. And then signing midfielders, they've gone after John Michael Siri from Nice. But um, transfer fees, once again, have played a role in his stopping his buy, I guess PSG is kind of meddling with them again, just upping the offer by 10 million just again in Barca's way, and it's causing problems in uh, transfers. And this board is just like this vote of no confidence is coming up in September, and they they got to get these guys out. Like Barcelona's lost its identity. This is a club who used to bring prospects up from La Masaya, and they used to fill in right in the first team, and now we're just buying players just just to get midfielders just because of the need for midfielders. Yeah, this, I mean, this team, I mean, how many been able to develop over the last last few years? You don't really see many up-and-coming guys that are being developed by Barca either, and that was a staple of their success over the last uh, last decade. Yeah, and, like, hopefully those rumors of Usman Dembele are true because he is one of the best young players in the world, and they need to inject some youth into the squad, you know, fit in on the wing, and hopefully um, allow them to be competitive in uh, La Liga against Real Madrid because Real Madrid is just stacked from top to bottom, even the bench. like When you have guys like Isco, Kovacic, and um, those type of players coming off the yeah. bench. Uh, or so, Asensio yeah, too. Right? And yeah, Asensio. Um, another example of the board just messing things up, uh, Barcelona could have bought Asensio for $3.5 million and um, decided... And then, yeah. uh, it was a little bit too much, and they wanted to pay it in installments instead of upfront. And now he's he's in Madrid killing Barca. Yeah, and he's and that's the difference between these two teams. Madrid's made some buys that have been able to supplement their team, and those guys like uh, Ronaldo get older. I mean, the thing with Ronaldo, I mean, they're winning without him, and they've been winning without him for 
for, for, for games now, but I think that's a different uh, discussion about who's really more important to their team. I think the answer is pretty obvious that, the, that Barca without Messi is a shell of their former self, and without Ronaldo, this uh, Real Madrid team is good enough to win anyways. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think Barca needs to make some buys here. If they can get Dembele, that'd be a good start. If they can get Coutinho, that'd be a, that'd be a pretty successful window if you can replace a Neymar with a Coutinho and a Dembele. Yeah, the money's kind of burning a hole in their pocket. So hopefully some of these get done. But right now, everybody's playing hard to get. And these transfer fees, they know that Barca has the money. So they're holding out. Yeah, now. they're holding out big time, even though um, the player's obviously aren't worth that much kind of relatively to what like we said Pogba was an 89 million dollar player is Coutinho really worth 130 yeah probably not right? yeah but it's all depends on the market right yeah good point yeah let's finish off with uh some Champions League draw finally the Champions League draw went down today and uh some interesting groups yeah, not to say the least. I think the toughest group is going to be that Group H group, that Group H with uh, Real Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, uh, and Tottenham, and then uh, Apiol. Yeah, and um, that's that's basically the group of death right there. And like you were saying earlier, Tottenham squad depth. If they fin- um, get behind in this group, maybe they just turn their focus to the uh, Premier League instead of Champions League. And uh, another group. We're um, Group C with uh, Chelsea, Atletico, and Roma. Um, those are some giant teams there as well. No, definitely. It just seems like I just knew Chelsea and Atletico Madrid would be in the same group considering Costa could be on his way there in January. I mean, that's that would be fitting to see them eventually meet sometime. And uh, Yeah, that's going to be a very tough group as well considering uh, Roma's been pretty good uh, over the last few years. I mean, they haven't really made it too far, but they're uh, they're not going to be an easy out anyways. And uh, I mean, overall, there's a lot. I mean, even if you look at a Group B here, you have Bayern Munich and PSG in the same group. I mean, that, those are two um, two of the better clubs in the world. Yeah, PSG is finally going to have to play someone who uh, is uh, worthy of their competition because in the French League right now, seems like it's going to be a cakewalk. Which uh, kind of makes that Neymar decision more puzzling, because yeah. uh, I don't know how you're gonna win a Ballon d'Or facing like uh, teams that look like they're two, three vis- divisions below your talent level. But uh, good test against Bayern to see uh, how well PSG is actually playing. Yeah, definitely, and I think Barca got a little bit of a uh, they got a, a fairly decent they got a fairly decent draw, but they're still going to face Juventus here too, which should be a nice. Uh, a nice rematch of that what happened last year after what happened last year. Yeah, Barca <laughs> gonna go for some revenge against Juventus. Um, we'll see. Uh, hopefully some, hopefully some signees come in, or else uh, Juventus probably the favorite for the draw right now. Uh, but Olympiacos and Sporting CP, uh, they kind of get the short end of the stick as uh, it's probably gonna be those two advancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's I would agree there. I think Liverpool gets the best draw in Group E. Just yeah, they really do. Just qualified in a qualifying game, and then now they get Spartak and Sevilla and NK Marlboro. Yeah, this, Liverpool got very uh, very lucky. I would be surprised if they weren't in the in the six in the in the sixteen round of sixteen because uh, they shouldn't have much problem with any any of these teams here or either of these teams here. Yeah, Coutinho said he wanted to play in Champions League, so. Uh, set up well for him definitely 
And then Group F, we got Manchester City, Napoli, Feyenoord, and Shakhtar Donetsk. So here, City versus Napoli, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, that should be a good game. I mean, Napoli plays an exciting brand of uh, football. Uh, I think City's going to ultimately win that group anyways, considering uh, they're just on paper. They're one of the better groups, uh, better teams in the entire tournament, just with their squad squad depth. Um yeah, I think that's a it's a reasonably good draw for City as well here. They should uh, have no problem winning that group, and I think Napoli will probably finish second. Yeah, the more we go through it, it looks like the English teams, uh, most of them are set up well, except I would say Tottenham. And Chelsea. Short end. Yeah, Chelsea and uh, Tottenham got the short end of the stick there, yeah, even after finishing first and second, but um, groups have set up well for them. Overall, um, yeah, as soon as these matches get underway, we'll have lots of analysis and reviews on the matches. But so far, I guess most of the big clubs should be happy. Like even uh, uh, Madrid and Borussia Dortmund, like I think they feel comfortable going against Tottenham. And it's been a while yeah. since the English teams have really showed up in uh, international competitions. No, definitely. They've been a uh, snake bitten of light. And they've just been a step below some of these other teams, but it looks like a team like United so far looks like they can actually compete with some of the bigger clubs in the world if they play the way they play in their first two games. Um, but it'll be exciting Champions League. I think uh, it's one of the better overall group that we've seen in uh, in a few years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, any last-minute buys that they, you think will happen before the transfer window shuts down? Um. There's, I mean, the rumors are, the rumors are rumors, but I think that Dembele buy probably does happen, and the Coutinho one to Barcelona. Who the hell knows at this point what's going to happen there? And I mean, I think Diego Costa is probably going to be on his way out of Chelsea. That that, that kind of seems to be a, um, seems to be a, a foregone conclusion. But uh, that's probably about it in terms of the transfers. That I think are probably going to happen, and even that Coutinho one's maybe a, is is a, is a coin flip. Uh, there's a lot of rumors, but I mean. Nothing that is, is a guarantee to happen. Yeah, we hear a lot of different stuff every day, but everything seems so far away. But uh, the one rumor I'm paying close attention to is if Monaco actually sells Mbappe to PSG. I don't even think there's any way that PSG loses the league right now. But if they add Mbappe, it's just like, what's the point of even playing out the games? Like, Just give him the yeah. French title right now and let's see what they can do in Champions League. Yeah, it would be like the you're you're weakening your biggest rival and taking Mbappe from Monaco. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work financially, uh, but if that happens, I that would be uh, would be insane, uh, considering the sums they're going to have to pay for him. Uh, but that again, I think that would be that'd be an interesting one. And who who knows if that happens? There's a few days left, and we'll get a better idea. And I think like that Virgil Van Dijk move is actually going to happen, and is. Uh, is Chelsea going to add a Danny Drinkwater or an Oxlade Chamberlain or a Kondreva or what's going to happen? Is we're set up for a pretty exciting week here up until the transfer window closes. Absolutely, and uh, what we're going to try to do here is uh, try to bring the soccer podcast at least once a week, um, especially when all the leagues are going at it full throttle. Um, and uh, once uh, Champions League gets underway, maybe we'll have some reviews on match days as well. But uh, that'll do it for today's episode. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. You guys can follow us on um, SoundCloud. And we're on iTunes now as well. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. But uh, thanks for listening. Until next time.